This episode of The Minimalists is brought to you by nobody, because advertisements suck. The Minimalists. <laughs> Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I'm Ryan Nicodemus. And together, we are The Minimalists. Fewer obligations. That sounds like a solid New Year's resolution. Mm, yeah. Or maybe, let's get specific here. Today we're going to talk about reducing, maybe, maybe even eliminating Mm. obligations. If you're watching this on YouTube, you'll probably see that we are in a new studio space. It's a temporary studio space. Mm -hmm. Let us know what you think in the comments of this space. Who knows? We might record more in this space. We've got a few other spaces we're testing out uh, before we move into our new studio and this may be one of them that you see recurring on our YouTube channel. By the way, youtube.com slash the minimalists. Now, Ryan, we're, we're less than a month into the, or sorry, we're less than a week into, no, we're less a month than a month into the year, mm-hmm. right? And it's what, 12 days actually into the year. Mm-hmm. We did a New Year's resolutions episode, and I gotta tell you, I don't even remember what I said my New Year's resolution was. Did we have a guest for that? No, it was just me and you. Oh, yeah. This was last week's episode. Now, of course, the, the, the maximal version is where we revealed our own New Year's resolutions. Now, here's the thing. I don't know what my New Year's resolution is. I, I've always said I think they're a bit hokey. Uh, they're chasing, etc. Now, I do have a word, though. And mm. so I heard Erwin McManus, who um, I heard him talking about this, about instead of having a New Year's resolution... He has a word for 2021. Like, what is his word? Oh, in my, uh, so I'm part of this men's team, uh-huh. and they would call it your context. Ooh. And what they, what, there's a training that they do where it's called CPR, Context, Purpose, Results. So you've got your context, you've mm. got the purpose behind that context, and then you have the results that you want. But context is so powerful, mm-hmm. and it's usually one or two words because right. when you find yourself, um, losing your context or, or losing maybe control or feeling off, you can go back to those one or two words and be like, I got to hold this context. This is what I want to hold right now. So do you have a context? Do you have a word or a phrase for 2021? Uh, I think my phrase would be, if I did, I haven't thought about this. So on the spot, I would say it would Love be- Love people use things. <laughs> because the opposite never works. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll see you next time. Um, no, my, my context would be keep going. Mm. Um, yeah, there's probably a stronger context I could come up with, but- uh, as soon as you said that, that's the first thing that came to my mind where it was like, because I would love to say that, oh, now that, you know, 12.01 a.m. hit on January 1 and now it's 2021, we could put 2020 behind us and have a good, this is going to be my year. Right. You know, um, but man, time doesn't care. <laughs> <laughs> right about your uh, about uh you know the problems that you're in i mean yeah enough time and they you know things go away but but uh, we, we're still in the thick of a lot of of uh discomfort inconvenience um anxiety you know whatever word you want to put in there so for me 
I don't want to just have this attitude of like, well, it's 2021. It's a new year. It's going to be a good year. Like Mm -hmm. I know that we're in for it still. Right. So that context of keep going is really important to me because um, I do see myself as a resilient person, but dude, it's wearing me down. I'm not going to lie, man. Yeah. We've got a lot to talk about. And I think a lot of that wearing down has to do with obligations or perceived obligations. My word for this year, by the way, is healing. We can talk about that uh, at a later date. But uh, in order to get to that healing, I can see an untethering from obligations. So, Ryan, on Twitter, we had a question from Eve the Redhead. I thought it would be the perfect question to start this episode. When is an obligation an actual obligation and not a perceived obligation? Mm. Let me say this, Ryan. Hmm. There, at, at the end of the day, under the, the surface, when we peel back the layers, the, the truth behind the truth is... They're all perceived obligations. There is no real obligation. Yeah. It all it all requires what the mind. Yeah. And and, and so there, every ob- obligation is a product of the mind. Oh, I love that. So really, obligation is something. Well, a humans invented that word, and we've thrust it upon ourselves. Right. To make us feel obligated. Right. When. Yeah, I love that, but there really is, there's no such thing as an obligation. Let me ask you, is commitment synonymous with obligation? Can that mean the same thing? I think they can be. If you had a Venn diagram with commitment and obligation. They're going to overlap. There's going to be quite a bit of overlap mm. there. Now, I think in this, the, that, that section where they do overlap, especially, you start to realize it exposes one of the flaws of obligation because obligation and especially commitment, they sound like, good things right i'm I'm an obligated you know committed person right and even morally good virtuous Mm. in a way right yeah but commitment the only time we need commitment Mm -hmm. is when we don't have the desire to do something the only time we need commitment is when we don't have the desire to do something. And so I would say the same thing about obligation. So so that commitment basically pushes us into, well, I committed to it, so I'm going to do it. Mm. Sort of. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Now, now what I'm saying here, in addition to that is the thing, one of the things you're most passionate about Mm -hmm. is snowboarding. Sure. And now imagine you're at the top of the black diamond at wherever discovery. Yeah. And which is in Montana. And and you're, you're picturing it right now, right? Yeah. Really now, good. do you have to commit to going down the hill? No. Of course you not. Just do it. You have the, you just do it because you have the deep desire to do it. Yeah. And that's the same thing with these resolutions. The reason resolutions don't work has nothing to do with the resolution. It's because we don't have the deep desire. There's a difference between wanting something. Wanting is kind of like, oh, hey, Ryan, do you want a million dollars? Oh, sure. It'd be nice if that was in my bank account. Sure. And a deep desire to earn a million. If you had the deep desire to earn a million dollars, you you would go do it. Now, mm-hmm. you would do a bunch of things that maybe not aren't congruent with you and that's the reason you sure. aren't a millionaire right now. We'll just turn on ads, man. Yeah, we could yeah, <laughs> that that'd be the best way to do it. Start doing advertisements on the podcast right. and we could do uh instead of being Patreon supported because I think it's what is it? Uh Sean, I think it's fewer than 5% of our audience actually supports our podcast and it gets the maximum episodes. By the way, all the good stuff, quote unquote good stuff is is on the maximal episodes in there, you know, it's what twice as long as this and, and it's a much deeper dive, but most people don't support and that's not good or bad either. 
you you get an opportunity yeah. to to listen to this. So so j- just for this commitment conversation, you're not saying commitment is good or bad. You're just talking about commitment in general. Commitment. Se- yes, you're correct. Yeah. Commitment seems good, and that is a problem because we think of commitment as good. The problem is you, you turn that word commitment into obligation, mm-hmm. and you begin to obligate yourself to everything, and it mm-hmm. makes us miserable. And I have a hypothesis, a theory, yeah. really, that all obligations reduce our tranquility in some way. Yeah. Bex yeah. came to me this morning. Mm-hmm. And she was, I had some bit of news about uh, vaccines or something. Mm-hmm. A- and, and I just stopped and I said, hey, Bex, um, this is not serving my well-being. Mm. This conversation is not. And she was, and it is because she's so understanding yeah. and appreciates my own well. She wants my well-being mm-hmm. uh, to increase. And, and so I found that one, that one observation. Hey, this isn't increasing my my well-being or or bringing me tranquility mm. in some way. And I wanted to read this real quick, Ryan. This essay is not out yet. This is something Sean just edited for me. Yeah. Uh, it's called Confined by Attachment. And I think it touches on this whole tranquility obligation piece here. And we can we can expand on cool. this. Uh, by the way, you, you'll get this in your email box if you're on our email list over at theminimalists.com. We'll never send you spam or advertisements or junk. Here is uh, Confined by Attachment, a very short essay. Certainly some attachments are healthy. Our attachments to family and friends, to community and customs and charity, those are appropriate attachments, right? Let's consider that question from a different angle. Replace the word attachments with clinging. Mm. That small change exposes the flaw in, quote, healthy attachments. Certainly some clinging is healthy, right? Mm. No. Be it possessions or people or pride, clinging is never healthy. Every attachment is a tether that restricts our freedom, a governor that constricts our ability to love. We can't live right now if we're fastened to the future. And we can't love fully when we're confined by attachment. We've been told by pop music and poetry that to need someone mm-hmm. is to love them. Mm-hmm. But that was a lie. That's not love. It's clinging. We experience the full spectrum of love only when we let go. Let go of the attachment, not the person. Without the clinging, all that remains is love. Mm. I think I might replace that word clinging in, in this context what we're, well, with what we're talking about with obligations here. Yeah, I can see that. Aren't obligations often, maybe not always, but aren't they often at least a type of clinging? Oh, I feel yeah. obligated to do that. Yeah, and it really makes me question, like, what are we clinging on to? Ooh. Yeah. Expand on that. Well, you know, like you've got an obligation. Let's say I have an obligation. I feel like I have an obligation to... Oh, I don't know. Something to do with Mariah. I don't know. Insert example there. Yes. So the obligation is something I would take on for a very valiant effort to be like, well, you know, she's my partner. She's my wife. I love her. I'm going to do this for her because it makes her happy. Mm. Um, but if it is causing me misery. Yes. I'm just, And I don't have an answer, but it makes me question, like, what am I clinging to? for that, you know, for that misery. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't really know how to exp- expound no, I, beyond that. No, I think that. this is great. I, let me try to explain a little bit of what I'm hearing, and you tell me what you think. Mm-hmm. Anthony DeMello, who on the Maxwell episode today, we're going to be reading from one of his books, uh, his last book, actually, the right before he died, uh, The Way to Love. But he has a, a phenomenal book called Awareness, from which I've read a little bit of an excerpt on the election Dude, podcast. We, we could have made love people use things like a hundred, a hundred book. <laughs> Yeah, by the way. <laughs> we wrote them all that small. This 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 book is so profound. I mean, it's it, it's I, I I can't even explain it. Anyway, Anthony <laughs> DeMello has an exercise. He says you don't you don't, you don't really want to be happy. Mm. And, and he's talking about you in this context specifically. Mm. And he's like, "I can prove it to you. Watch. Um, go up to the person that you love the most and say, "I would rather be happy than to have you." Yeah. Yeah. And and if that were the choice, what would you choose now the opposite is also true right what if mariah came to you and said i now you're highly evolved so you i know what your answer would be to this but most people would say if their spouse came to them and said hey it's either if i'm in this relationship i'm unhappy yeah or i can be happy without you a lot of us would say, well, I'd rather you be unhappy with me. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I wonder, and even then there's, there's like a clinging there too, right? Where someone would rather, rather their mate be unhappy with yes. them. Yeah, than and by the way, so, so I would rather both of us be unhappy together than to be happy yeah. apart. Yeah. Right. Mm. And and so we're going to be exploring that today. I think that has a lot to do with obligations. Yeah. We're going to start with some questions here. We have a question well, from. Can, I'm sorry. Before yeah. we go into the questions, can we talk a little bit more about commitment? Because mm. you brought up the snowboarding incident, and there are times when I'm going down that black diamond mm-hmm. where I have to commit. And what I mean by that is, I will have to commit to a certain turn. I'll have to commit to a certain cut. I'll have to commit to a certain landing if I'm, you know, hitting a little jump or something. Sure. And it's so uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But like what I, ha- and, and I'm just trying to, again, talk about this word commitment, but I have learned, um, perfect example. I'm, I talked about my mountain biking thing where I went down that 15 foot cliff on accident, like straight down. Yeah. And what I told myself is I was like, okay, uh, I'm probably going to get hurt doing this, falling down this cliff, but I know that I have to commit to holding on to these handlebars. Mm-hmm. I have to put my butt in the seat, lean, you know, lean back as far as I can, plant my feet, and I gotta commit to that because that's my best opportunity to not get harmed. And I did, I landed it, all I did was like pop my tire. Um, I did have kind of a big bruise on my leg from some, something scraping it. I don't even, it happened so fast, I don't even know what it was. Right. But it was because of that uncomfortable committing in the moment that really helped me to not get seriously injured yeah so i guess um i don't know i I don't i don't know i just had that thought what what do you think about commitment when it comes to that i'm not trying to do an opt-out thing i'm just i'm just trying to no i I think i think that's what you mean by commitment Mm -hmm. that's not what i mean mean by commitment right Mm. and and so uh if what you mean by commitment is is following following through through, yeah then with an action to get the preferred outcome yeah. while you're in the middle of the action, by the way, everything you're talking about here is not committing to something. It's taking an action in the moment. Yeah. And it's also not on that Venn diagram. It wouldn't intersect with obligation there. No, yeah. no. And, yeah. and, and so commitment is I'm going to do this 
despite wanting not wanting to do it mm-hmm. in order to get a result. When you were up in the air, it wasn't that, well, I don't want to grab the handlebars now. It wasn't that you didn't want right. to do it. Yeah. It did not require a commitment. By the way, that required instinct mm. and, a, and a desire to live. Yeah. Uh, but but that the, the reason I thought the snowboarding example was a much better example here is same thing. It's not requiring commitment. There's a deep desire for mm-hmm. you to do it. As soon as you have a deep desire to do anything, be with a person, write a book, run a marathon, mm-hmm. swim for the first time, mm-hmm. learn how to ride a bicycle. As soon as you have that desire, remember when you learned to ride a bicycle as a kid? Oh, my God. Dude, I did it on my own with a bike that was way too big. Wow. And, uh, yeah, but but it, but you're right though. Like I had that desire so much that it didn't feel like a commitment as much as like I had to do it. Yeah, you never committed to do to riding a bike. You simply yeah. said, "I have this desire. I'm going to do this." There was there wasn't you didn't even require language around it. Mm-hmm. It simply required. And it, by the way, it didn't require action steps. There weren't seven steps to ride a bike. Yeah. It wasn't how to ride a bike. Right. It was I have this deep desire. The problem is I don't know how to ride a bike. The only solution isn't a solution. Mm-hmm. The solution is the desire to learn, to understand, yeah. there's, to eradicate the obstacles. There's something here with that Venn diagram. When commitment intersects with obligation, there, it ruins it. Mm. I don't. I'm, yeah. I'm just. I'm not plant, planting my flag in that statement, but I'm positing that when commitment intersects, interse, intersects with obligation. Um, it's a good recipe for discontent. Yes, indeed. We got. We got. Let's talk okay. a lot more about that. We do have some questions here. Let's start with Alexis in Portland, Oregon. I have type one diabetes, also known as juvenile diabetes, and I'm lucky to work for a company that makes a product for type one diabetes, and it's a product I actually use as well, and it's really changed my life, probably saved my life a couple times too. So I'm super aligned with the values and the goals and the vision of my company and uh, my coworkers. My coworkers are all awesome people who have a passion about diabetes that we all share. So I find everybody to be very supportive. I'm lucky to align with those core values. My company's also awesome because a lot of us volunteer at local diabetes events, and we get to go there together and make an impact in the community. Where I struggle is when we go to charity events together and everybody is donating money to diabetes causes. And I want to be able to support this as much as humanly possible because, hey, it benefits me, benefits my tribe, and I really support donating to diabetes organizations. I don't have a lot of disposable income right now, and some of my coworkers do. And the ones that don't even say things like, well, hey, it's for a charity, so I'll put it on my credit card if I have to. So when the time comes to give and I don't have very much money to give, I know I shouldn't feel bad about it because it doesn't fit within my budget and I have to live within that budget, not them. But it's hard because it's something I truly believe in and there is, unfortunately, a little bit of that social pressure around it as well. How can I reconcile my budget with wanting to give back to an amazing cause? Alexis, I don't have any advice for you, but I have some observations. So, first off, I know that if I don't have money, and we, so let's take the terminus, Ryan. Let, let, let's look at, I don't have a million dollars in cash. Right. And if you do, can I have some? <laughs> I don't have a million dollars in cash, but let's say, 
I know of a really good cause. The Against Malaria Foundation is the most effective charity in the world. Mm. And a million dollars would actually save a lot of lives. It would be the best use of a million, charitable use of, of a million dollars that you can quantify at least. And so the Against Malaria Foundation. And so over my lifetime, I could probably pay back a million dollars. Why don't I just go into debt for a million dollars to save people's lives? Yeah. Now, the reason that we give to charity is what? We think that it's altruistic, but it's never. And I, with, there are a few savants, a few Mozarts of living where this, they would be the exception. But for there are some of, opt-out clauses. <laughs> yeah, th- there are some. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but for us mere mortals, yes. uh, there is never a time that we give completely altruistically. The self no. is never removed. There's right? always a little good feeling of like, oh, I gave today. Yes. Oh, man, I, I'm so glad I could sit here and feel like a good person. Or, or even worse than that, this is where Alexis is. I just don't want to feel like a bad person. Oh, yeah. Which is that, by the way, we think we're chasing happiness. No, we're not. We're not chasing happiness. Mm. We're merely running away from pleasure. Mm. All, I'm sorry, running away from, from pain. From pain. Yeah. From, from misery. Let's just yeah. let's use the actual word misery, right? Yeah. So it's not just pain. We're running away from misery. So if I were to say that again and say it accurately, we're never running toward happiness. Mm. We were always running from misery. Yeah. And so that's where I hear the misery in Alexis's voice, right? Mm -hmm. So we can agree that it's not an appropriate, let's take good or bad out of it for a moment. We'll talk about that. It's not an appropriate decision to go into debt to uh, make yourself, which makes you going to make you miserable. It's going to restrict your freedom Mm -hmm. in order to contribute to a charity. Yeah, it's interesting. It's like, uh, and and maybe we'll go into the good or bad thing, but it, giving to charity, good, going into debt for it, bad. So it's like you're alleviating, you're, you're kind of canceling it out. I like what Be- you're saying here. Because, re- well, you know. I mean, I don't agree with it, but I like what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. So with, um, with uh, yeah, and I'm talking about perceived good and bad, but we, we can expound on that a little bit. But Alexis, I know... Your coworkers actually have really good intentions. Mm-hmm. I'm not justifying, you know, them kind of putting pressure on her, mm-hmm. but their intentions are good, and maybe they are trying to like push you a little bit towards donating, and they're trying to actually make you have this feeling of where you're struggling. Like, well, maybe I should put it on a credit card, but ultimately, the best way that you can take care of someone else is when you yourself are fully taken care of. Yes, and if you are putting yourself in debt to take care of someone else um, that's actually going to hurt you in the long run. The short term, maybe it's a good solution. You could not judge yourself so harshly, which I would just posit, don't judge yourself at all. Uh, if you can look in the mirror and saying that you're doing the best for you, then then you know there's no reason, um, I think, for, her to, for Alexis to judge herself here. But again, doing something that hurts you in the long run for a short term uh, thing that you see as positive in your life, I don't yeah, personally, like that's not what I would do. Um, I'm not trying to prescribe anything here, but but yeah, you got to take care of yourself, Alexis, before you can fully 100% help other people. So maybe that maybe that's where she can go instead of like beating herself up for not giving to charity and going into debt for for giving to charity. Maybe she can focus on like, hey, I'm taking care of me right now. So ultimately, I'm going to be able to give beyond myself in a meaningful way mm-hmm. once I have. Uh, my house in order. I, I agree with that. And I also think that when you are 
giving beyond yourself in a meaningful way, you're still taking care of yourself yeah. in a way. Because the more you give, the more you grow, the more you grow, the more you have to give, at least theoretically, that's the way that it works. I'm trying to look at this because her problem is like there's these societal obligations. She feels obligated to contribute mm. and she feels bad if she doesn't contribute. Right. Let me just say this. Contributing to charity is not good. Now, I know that for right, right away it's going to turn a lot of people off. What do you mean it's not good? Yeah, it's also not bad. It's also not bad, yes. Mm -hmm. um, it is... Well, you can just stop there. It is. That's beautiful. <laughs> We're going to talk on the Maxwell episode about help because mm -hmm. I believe that all help is a result of the ego. Here's an, here is a quick snippet for you, Ryan. I'm just going to read this really quick. This essay is not out yet. Sean hasn't even looked at it. It is called The Advice Epidemic. Mm. And this line, I think, will stand out to you. There is no bigger ego than that of the helper. Mm. The helpful man simply cannot help himself. <laughs> he feels obligated to tear an eagle from the sky to save him from falling, to drag a dolphin to the shore to rescue her from drowning. Mm. We want to help a lot. Mm -hmm. And we think it's even virtuous, right? Mm -hmm. To guide, to coach, to instruct others. Mm -hmm. It's noble, right? Noble is Ryan's middle name. <laughs> I mean, literally, it actually is. It is. Yeah. Middle name. Yeah. Um, and this is one of the biggest things I've changed my mind about recently, Ryan, is about our need to help other people. Mm. And I think that it's not good or bad. Right. But I do think that it is a little bit dangerous. And I think that it, the desire to just be helpful isn't necessarily loving. So what, just with that thought, because mm -hmm. we've, we've been talking a lot about these value judgments and what and, and what we've I feel like what we've been saying since we've been having these conversations is these things that are good they're not good they're not bad but they're not they just are but you use the word virtuous mm -hmm. so what is virtuous mm, yeah so what does virtue mean right virtue. well yeah but I'm saying like what act is a virtuous well, act right in order to get there we have to gotcha. we have to, to figure out what does virtuous mean right mm -hmm. and so virtue means from a position of strength mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. i'm sure there are alternate definitions there but but when we're talking about someone being virtuous it means they're approaching something from a position of strength hmm. right yeah i don't have a dictionary on me um so why is virtuous associated with uh being a good person. You're exposing my second question for Alexis. So the good or bad thing, we'll set that aside for a moment. Uh, the second problem beneath the problem mm -hmm. for Alexis is the word she used, tribe. Mm. So now, you know me, I will say that tribes unite against something. Mm -hmm. Community unites around something. Mm. However, I think both of those can be a problem for us. Why? Because they, what happens when we have a group of people? Well, you start to, you know, as, as inclusive as that group is, it eventually becomes exclusive. That's true. And also, if you're included in that group, mm -hmm. right, you adopt their methods, their their culture, basically. Yeah. It becomes your society in a way, right? Mm -hmm. And I think society writ large and then culture in general Yeah are one of the biggest problems. Not only do they encourage mediocrity, but they encourage all of these 
all of the nonsense that we experience. The anxiety that you're experiencing is only a product of the mind, but that mind that is influenced by culture. Without culture, you're not going to feel anxiety. Mm. And so the pressure that you're feeling, Alexis, is internal for sure, but also is a result of the acculturation of your tribe because it feels good. We're we're really we're chasing the pleasure there, the feeling good of helping other people. So we could replace good with pleasurable. Yes. Yeah. 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 And, and so, uh, Alexis, if I really want to get to the root of your problem, I'm going to look at the problem behind the problem. And, and that is I'm going to look at the tribe of which I'm a part and maybe all of their ideals while it seems virtuous, mm-hmm. are actually affecting you negatively. And you can give mm-hmm. without a tribe. Mm-hmm. And so, so keep that in mind. And then that's not advice. That's just stating a, a fact. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then in terms of the good or bad thing, uh, let's just realize that we're get, giving ourselves, we're, we're putting so much pressure on ourselves because we think that charity is good. There is no good or bad here. There is only there is only truth, and the truth is. Let, let's talk about what is the truth you're exploring. If you have the money to donate to this charity, mm-hmm. some people's lives might be saved, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And that's that. In in and of itself, sounds virtuous, right? Sure. But everything else that you tether to it, the the meaning. The, the, the anxiety, the pressure, the nervousness, mm. uh, those things create misery. Mm. Mm. Interesting. We got a lot more to talk about. Let's answer a question from Amanda in Waco. I wanted to ask a question about debt repayment. And while I'm aware that no debt is good debt, I have medical school loans that were necessary at the time to get me to where I am today. In addition, my husband and I have a small 0% interest credit card balance, one car payment, and what we consider a modest mortgage. I wanted to get your thoughts on which debts to tackle first. I think I'm in favor of Dave Ramsey's snowball method of going after the smaller debt first, but value your opinions on the subject as well. So, Ryan, when we're talking to Amanda here, of mm-hmm. course, you and I, we are Dave Ramsey disciples. I don't, there's no way I could come up with the, the better how-to than no. the the seven baby steps. And I think how-tos can be really effective when it's for a mechanical thing like that, the, the, uh, an elementary sort of thing. And so, yes, how-tos work really well there. However, a how-to isn't going to continue to keep you out of debt once you are mm-hmm. out of debt. Mm-hmm. The lies that you have been telling yourself, I heard several lies. Now, they're not lies, you're not telling me lies, Amanda. <laughs> Because what you are saying, you believe to be factual. Mm-hmm. They're only lies because you continue to believe them. Mm-hmm. And so here, here's, here are two lies I, I heard, right? I had to go into debt because it was necessary at the time, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Well, okay. It, it, can you find an example of a doctor who didn't go into debt? Absolutely. Of course you can. What she's saying is it was the path of least resistance for me to do what I really felt like I had a calling for. Right. Yeah, but she didn't say that. She lied to herself and said, I had to do it. And as soon as we sure. back, back ourselves into a corner, that becomes a, a problem. And then I hear these tiny lies, like the white lies of, well, I, we have this uh, 0% interest credit card, right? Oh, yeah. And it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, like, 
so it's it's better now, and now it's good debt now. All of a sudden, it's right? Like these little justifying statements. Yes. Oh, we just have yeah. here. We just have one car payment, as opposed yeah. to what thirty car payments. By the way, Amanda, this is not judgment on you. No, it no, no. Just, no. Yeah. This is this is speaking the truth. This yeah. is loving you. Yeah. And and I I know Ryan and I um, we you know obviously we. We're out of debt. We've been out of debt since our early 30s. Mm-hmm. We'll never go back into debt. We'll never advocate for debt. Uh, and now, uh, it doesn't mean that we're recommending that for you. You do whatever you feel is appropriate for you. Mm-hmm. A- and and so, if I'm in Amanda's shoes, yes, of course, I'm going to use the, the baby steps, total money makeover, all that. Uh, but I'm also going to examine... Let's not even call them lies, right? I'm going to examine the narrative I've created, right? Yeah. The narrative of debt was necessary, right? Yeah. The 0% thing, the one car payment, whatever it is. Let me examine that narrative yeah. so that I don't go back into debt in the future. When I heard this question, it just made me think, which we've talked about before on the website and on podcasts. If you have credit card debt and you're spending money outside of attacking that credit card debt, you're spending money that you don't have. Now, I understand you got to pay your bills, you got to buy food, you got to keep a roof over your head, but every every movie you go to, every non-essential or even worse, all the junk mm. that you're spending money on when you have credit card debt, yes. you're spending money that you don't have. Right. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, to answer her question head on, yeah, do the snowball. Like that's, I wish I would have, I did like the reverse snowball. I went big debts to little debts. Yeah. And um, didn't find out about Dave Ramsey until after uh-huh. I did that. Uh, I wish I would have gone the other way. Yeah, yeah. Because my, you know, the the side of me was like, well, I'm going to take care of these big things first, and once once I take care of the big thing, that'll it'll be out of the way, and then I'll be able to go to the next big thing, and I'll have some momentum. Mm-hmm. But um, it well, the you know, the packing party is kind of an example of that, where I just like did the big huge thing. Right. Um, but you're bringing up a great point about, so, so it's less about the how to, the how to you, you have works. In fact, Ryan, you have a, a, we have together, we have a free ebook on our website. It's uh, theminimalistscom slash budget. It's a ebook called financial freedom. Mm -hmm. And it's the the steps that you and I took to get out of debt. And it's slightly different from Dave Ramsey. But what I'll say is those are just two how to sort of methods. Mm -hmm. But if you have a deep desire to get out of debt, you're going to figure it out. Yeah, and that's what that's really kind of my answer for Amanda is like it doesn't matter how you do it Amanda. Get out of debt. Yeah. Josh and I don't care how you do it. What we care is that you actually get out of debt. So uh I would encourage you to download that actually I don't want to encourage you to do anything. If you want to download it, <laughs> uh it's theminimalists.com/budget. It's a free ebook called Financial Freedom and Sean, I forgot to do this for Alexa or, or Alexis earlier. We're going to talk more about charity because I know Ryan didn't want to, uh, well, I didn't want to end it on charity is not good. No, it, well, here's the thing. You, you're right. And so let's just say that charity uh, is not good or bad. Or contribution, yeah. yeah and, well, and, well, the statement I met, made was I don't want to discourage our listeners from contributing. And then you asked the question of why. Right. So it, that's what we'll get to. Yeah. In fact, you, you made another statement. You said, um, I want to encourage people to contribute, and yes. that's my why. Yeah. I agree with you. I do not want to discourage people from contributing. Ryan, you and I have done so much contribution over the last decade. I would not take back any of it. Ne- neither would I, um, uh, except for the gold teeth that I bought you. 
<laughs> no way, dude. I'm keeping those. It was a good write-off, at oh, least. Oh, man. Hey, Jordan, can you, like, Photoshop some gold teeth on me right now? <laughs> no, so um, uh, what I'm saying, though, you know, we've, we built a elementary school in Laos. We funded a, a school in Kenya. We helped uh, build a grocery store in Dayton, Ohio. Yeah. We uh, helped the victims of the Orlando Pulse nightclub shooting and the Las Vegas shooting. Uh, we've done so many things to contribute. Mm. Now, has it helped some people? Fine. What about? Yeah. H- hold on. Sorry, sorry. Ha- no, you're good. It, has it helped some people? Fine. Mm-hmm. That's not my business. Yeah. We're I mean, gonna we, get- it's funny because we are in the we are ostensibly in the in the business of helping. But I love this. Uh, I love this conversation and kind of these realizations that that you're coming to, and we can talk these out on the podcast. But it just made me think, though. Instead of helping, it's like I want peace. Okay. Yes. I want. Yes. Pe- I want peace. So in order for me to be peaceful, mm. I have to do certain things. And also, uh, when, when other people are more peaceful around me, mm-hmm. that creates more peace. Mm. So maybe it's not a matter of helping as much as I am living the truth of creating peace for myself mm-hmm. and also encouraging people to live their truth, which that's what people want right now anyway. Or they've always wanted it, mm-hmm. peace. Yeah. yeah. We're talking more about that. For sure. Let's send Alexis a copy of our first book, Sean, Minimalism, Live a Meaningful Life. There's an entire contribution chapter in there. That you would rewrite at this point. Well, right. And in <laughs> fact, we're, I, I would rewrite everything that I've done over the last 39 years, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to erase the past in order to start over. Uh, and we'll, we'll cover that as well. But Ryan, check your watch. What time is it? Oh, dude, it is time for the lightning round where we answer your text messages. You can text your questions and comments to... 937-202-4654. Those texts go to both of our phones, Ryan. I know you've been responding to a lot of them mm-hmm. recently. Yeah. Uh, anything really sticking out? Are there oh, any emojis that you're seeing come in? No emojis. Just a lot of awesome, uh, a lot of, uh, yeah, just a lot of awesome, I want to say compliments, but it's it's encouragement, it's gratitude, mm-hmm. and uh, makes me feel real good and virtuous whenever uh, I read those things. Yeah, no. I'm sorry. No, no, it just, it, it really... Um, it is really heartwarming just to see the appreciation because it really does feel like a community. Yeah. And I, I, I do enjoy that feeling of, I love that feeling yeah. of having like a tight community where, where we're all supporting one another and striving for peace and we're getting there together. Um, there are some funny, like, well, cause you know, for every thousand good or, you know, positive comments, there's like one, you know, naysayer, Yes. And it's funny, man, because oh, it's it's just it's been really good because I can handle it really well. Mm-hmm. And I, to the point where I can kind of laugh at yeah. some of the criticisms and stuff. Uh-huh. But it's funny because like I, whenever I get whenever I receive and I don't know when this switch flipped for me, I think within like the last six months, man. But yeah. when someone gives me criticism, like I can actually look at it and and ask, is this for me? Yes. And if it is for me, I can be like, oh, let me examine that. Uh-huh. Let, me, let me dig a little bit deeper at the problem that this criticism is bringing up. Uh-huh. Or I can look at it and be like, this criticism is for, it's for them. It's not for me. Oh, yeah. It, or, but or, to emotionally connect with that is a game changer, man. Or it's about them often as well. Oh, yeah. yeah. Where, where if someone were to send you a text, Ryan, and say, in fact, go ahead and text him uh, today if you'd like. Uh, <laughs> 937-202-4654. Send him a text and say, Ryan, you are a chair. 
Now, no, I'm not. Right. It, I'm it, not a chair. But if for whatever reason, like, you know that that's not true. Yeah. But what if they had a YouTube video proving <laughs> that I was a chair? You, so you know that you're not a chair. But mm. when s- the reason sometimes it stings is someone says, Ryan, you're not, um, you know, whatever. You're not really. You're not toothsome. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and you're like, ah, oh, you know, there's a piece of me that I thought I was handsome, but I'm not. Right. And so, like, um, those things sort of, if you know it's not true, it's not going to bother you at all. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exa- exactly. You look at it and you say, oh, like, they're calling me a chair. That's that's for them. Yes. That's not for me. Right, right. There's nothing I can do so with that. So you can text Ryan, tell him he's a chair, or you can uh, just text us a picture of the most recent thing you've decluttered. People have been doing that a lot, and I, I'm really interested to see what are the what are the what's the craziest thing you've decluttered recently? Send mm. us a picture of that. Yeah, we get PG thirteen, please. Yeah, um, yeah. I haven't had anything. Uh, I haven't had anything over PG, so that that was that's really good. Um, <laughs> I would do want to share one. <laughs> criticism that I laughed at because it actually was a compliment, but they were, yeah. But they basically said something like, "Watch the new documentary." If it wasn't for Matt Diavella, it would have been a dumpster fire of a documentary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you imagine me and Ryan running around with cameras, right? Right, exactly. Oh, we're just doing like yeah selfies with <laughs> giving a talk. Yeah, but it was just, it was just funny. I started laughing because I'm like, well, I would, I well, would no that, doubt. Right. Yeah, w- yeah, without Matt, without Chris Newhart, without um, Jacob Matthews. Yeah, yeah, Jacob Matthew with without um, uh, uh, Tim Frazier, without Lauren, without. I mean, there's so many people you could say that. Like without uh, Jordan No More, podcast Sean, mm. without all of them, it would be a dumpster fire. Imagine me and you just making a documentary. I mean, the two of us could, and it would take. I don't know, decades, but we don't have, you know what? We don't have that deep desire. You and I could make a commitment right. to making a documentary on our own, and it'd be a real obligation. Right. But, of course, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be what Jordan does with filmmaking because he has a deep desire. Right. I have the deep desire to write, and, mm-hmm. and thus I got up at 3 this morning and, and wrote. Yeah. And, and so it's not that you should do that or even that I should do that. There is no should here. Should we get to Nick's question here? <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Nick Bell pun, has a question for us. Pun intended. How do I step back from obligations I've always done in the past? I struggle to change when I've said yes many times before, and it's become an assumption. Now, during the lightning round, for those of you who are new, this is where Ryan and I do our best to answer questions with a short, shareable, less than 140-character response. You can put the text of those minimal maxims in the show notes so we can people can copy and share your pithy answers or our pithy answers on, on social media. And um, all of our minimal maxims are in one place now, minimalmaxims.com. Thanks, Jess. Uh, Nick. Let me say this. Here's my pithy answer for you. Maybe we can expand on it. Maybe we won't. I have two pithy answers for you because I'm ex- I'm twice as pithy. <laughs> Minimalist. <laughs> uh, change happens not from how often we say yes, but when we say yes to only that which propels us toward our destination. Mm. There's a lie we've been told, Ryan. It's not about the destination, man. It's mm. about the journey. Mm. Well, that's nonsense. Like, well, th- yeah, yeah. Keep going. Sorry. Without, with, no, you're good. Let's talk about it. Without, without the destination, there would be no journey. That is correct. But the yeah, so the the the, the destination plays a role. They both sure. play a role. They and both so, play a role. Yes. And, and so 
by the way, you didn't go on a journey this morning when you drove to the studio, right? Mm -hmm. You had a destination in mind, and then the journey resulted because there was a, a destination right, there, right, right. right? Here's my other pithy answer for you. You can copy and share this if you'd like. No is the most freeing word in the world. It is often the most compassionate, too. Mm, honest. I think we don't realize, Ryan, that sometimes we say yes because we're afraid mm. of saying no. But that's not being compassionate. If you're doing something for someone that you don't want to do, that's not compassion. Yeah. That is, um, that is cowardice. And mm. we've all experienced it. I know I've done it a million times over. And I'm sorry a million times for that. It's funny how we talk ourselves into doing things that make us miserable for the sake of virtue. Going back to that word. Yes. Um, but if you're doing something just for the sake of being virtuous, then it's kind of not virtuous, right? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, it was, I think it was Lao Tzu who said the most, uh, uh, like all virtue is not virtuous. He has some quote like that. Um, and, yeah. and, and really what he's saying is we're doing something to, if we're doing something to be virtuous. It's not virtuous. Then it's not virtuous, right? right? Yeah. And that's okay too. I've got one and a half pithy answers. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the answer I wrote down for this uh, is boulders can be set down as easily as they were picked up. And it's funny because I sent Milburn this. Um, spoiler alert. I sent him everything I write for him to edit and shape. So <laughs> I, I do that to Sean. So <laughs> right, right. I'm your Sean. Yeah. So uh, Milburn responded back and he said, well, maybe it would be a little bit punchier or more powerful if it's easier to set down a, than a boulder down than it is to pick it up. Yes. And I was like, well, actually, if anything, I would think it's the opposite. Well, let's think about it in real life. There's yes. a boulder in that corner. Much e yes, yeah, and really, yeah, if, yeah, physically, yes. Obviously, gravity is going to be much easier going mm -hmm. down than up. But these metaphorical boulders, mm -hmm. it's difficult to pick up because they are burdens, they are obligations, they are things that uh, if we don't do them, we're going we're going to not feel virtuous. So it's very hard to pick up that boulder mm -hmm. to and to follow through with carrying it. But then to put it down. It's equally as hard yes. because we are. We feel like we're letting someone else down. Mm -hmm. we're, we're feeling like we're not being virtuous if we put that boulder down. Mm -hmm. So that's why, to me, it might even be harder sometimes to, to say no. But the only way you get good at it is by practicing. Right. Um, the other pithy answer I have that I thought of uh, had, that, had that men's group meeting last night, men's team meeting last night, and someone said, you cannot prioritize your commitments. There's no such thing as prioritizing your commitments. And that's, for me, it rings true here because either you're committed or you're not. You can't see, you can't have a list of 10 commitments and be like, well, here are the important ones. Like if you've committed, you've committed. Yeah. And so maybe another way to say that is you can't prioritize your desires, right? Because Ooh. if you have a deep desire to do something, it's either greater than your desire that. to do this. Like if you want to play, you know, Bo Jackson played what football and baseball, right? Yes. And, and and so like if you have a if you could only choose one baseball it, a lot of people are this way right where they they were two sport athletes mm -hmm. and they had to choose one well yeah. it's whatever the greater desire was yeah. it wasn't a checklist of commitments and uh, pros and cons and all those things can be helpful for the most mechanical level but they can't help us understand our desire right let me add a, a, an additional 
uh, minimal maxim for you, Ryan. This is because I like what you said about the boulder. And so maybe what was my answer that you it's easier to set down a boulder than it is to pick it up? Literally, quite literally, it is. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. Literally, but so maybe instead of pick it up, we 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 say carry it forever. Mm. It is easier to set down a boulder than it is to carry it forever. Yeah, okay. you can tweet that podcast, yeah, that's Sean. Good. That's good. Well, Ryan, we have so much more to talk about. We have a bunch of listener tips in this episode today. We have an added value segment, which you all will love. But it looks like we got a bunch more surprise questions this week as well. Like, what were the negative side effects of releasing your new documentary, Less Is Now, on Netflix? Um, Is it healthy to avoid all praise? Man, that that seems counterintuitive. I want praise, right? Uh, how do I permanently say no at work without risking my job? How do I reduce familial obligations that are unnecessary and of no value? Plus, Ryan, we're going to discuss the advice epidemic. We're going to talk about the ego. We're going to talk about helping. We're going to talk about why we needn't convince anyone of anything. Mm. We're going to talk about finding a mute button for negative self-talk. And we're going to talk about what obligations are currently weighing down me and Ryan and so much more. And if you want to hear all that, join us on the Minimalist Private Podcast this week. That's right. This, uh, this is our minimal episode. We, every, uh, every week we release a second private podcast mm-hmm. episode, though, over on Patreon. Mm-hmm. That's one free minimal episode every Tuesday. That's the one you're listening to right now. And then we have the maximal episode every Thursday. Yes. So, which is for the non-freeloaders. <laughs> <laughs> it's for the truly committed, the ones who desire. That's right. To yeah, that's dive not a value judgment. Freeloader. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> it's just the truth. It's just the truth. <laughs> we it, love all of you. Uh, yes, yes, indeed. <laughs> and, and we don't expect you to support us no. to be part of the five percent who do. But if you'd like to, and you'd like a whole lot more of less. Uh, well, then every Thursday we do a long-form maximal episode. So visit theminimalists.com slash support to subscribe. You'll get a personal link so that our private podcast plays in your favorite podcast app. It's cheaper than a cup of coffee, and it keeps this show 100% advertisement-free. Plus, if you are one of the, our uh, maximal episode subscribers over there, Patreon supporters, you also have a whole back catalog of, of archives. There's like hundreds of hours of previous private podcast episodes. Yeah. It's the only place you can listen to Did them. Did you mention The Biggest Failures? Oh, yeah. We have a The Biggest Failures oh, segment. the back catalog of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's, there's a bunch of episodes of that. So we record a, a Biggest Failure segment with all of our guests after the fact, after the, after the podcast. And, and so they talk about things they have failed at and the lessons they've learned from that. Also, we do a Ask the Minimalist Anything every, mm-hmm. every month on Patreon. And when we do live events, all of our, our previous live events are on Patreon as well, and any future live events are only on Patreon. So you can find that theminimalists.com slash support uh, to subscribe. Get your personal link so that it plays in your favorite podcast app. Ryan, what else you got for us this week? Here are some voicemail comments and tips from our listeners. Check them out. Hey guys, so my name is Sam, and uh, I just wanted to share my favorite minimalism tip, which involves uh, Ryder Carroll's bullet journal method which is kind of a way of journaling that incorporates an agenda with a to-do list with uh, just like a regular journal that you would keep day to day. And it's been great because it's actually kind of 
allowed me to declutter my space a lot more. I've gotten rid of a lot of sticky notes that I used to keep everywhere with reminders all the time. Um, I used to have different books where I'd keep track of, for example, my schedule for the day, and, and, and that's all now in one place, which has been great. But um, another thing is that I've kind of modified the method as well to kind of suit my own lifestyle a little bit more. And so now every day I make a page in my journal where I keep track of, firstly, you know, my appointments, my to-do list, my schedule for the day. But I also have a section in there for um, keeping track of what my favorite part of the day was, my mood throughout the day, and there's also a section in there for notes. And that is where I write down kind of everything I've done that day and just kind of quick, like, bullet point form. I also might put in a few pictures if I, you know, felt so inclined. So it's kind of like evolved to merge with a scrapbook almost. And doing that has had kind of an unexpected side effect of I feel less inclined to hang on to sentimental items. Um, because honestly, like at the beginning of every year, I've just started doing a page where I put all the pictures of my highlights from the previous year. And so doing that, that allows me to get rid of a lot of things that I was holding on to that I didn't really want to hold on to, but I kind of was hung up about getting rid of it. Um, nowadays, I just can, you know, flip back through my bullet journal pages and I can see all of these beautiful, you know, memories that I had. And I, I don't really have to associate those memories with objects anymore necessarily. Um, and a great thing about that as well is that... Uh, if I run into an item that I want to get rid of and, you know, I don't want to hold on to it anymore, but I'm hung up about getting rid of it because it's sentimental and I feel like I, I should keep it out of some kind of obligation. Um, honestly, I just take a picture of it and stick it in the journal. And for me, that seems to do the trick where I just kind of like the switch flips in my brain and it's like the part of my brain that wanted to hang on to it is satisfied. So I might stick it in my journal and then maybe write down a couple of bullet points about, you know, the memories I had that are associated with the object and all of that. And it's been great because when I flip back through my journals to kind of reference maybe a recipe that I liked a few years ago or maybe the notes that I had on a project I worked on. Um, I'm able to kind of flip past and see all of these pictures and, you know, notes on all these objects as well. So I'm actually kind of appreciating them more now that they're gone. Hi, my name is Stephanie. I am from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And I wanted to just um, share a tool that has really been added value to my life as somebody who is going through grad school wanting to do a PhD and does need to kind of refer back to those, uh, those items and those notes. Uh, Evernote is really great because you can actually scan, scanning party, uh, scan all your items and chapters from books, uh, you know, journal articles, your notes, et cetera, et cetera, um, and you can import them into Evernote, and you can actually tag them, and uh, you can collaborate and share your, your notebooks with uh, colleagues and stuff, and what this does is, like, if you want to go back in time and review kind of, uh, like, something you know, that you need to reference, you can go right to your tag and all your items that are under that particular category will show up and it can show all your notes. You can add to it. You can collaborate. It's just a fantastic tool if you want to move from keeping all those books and keeping all those references, those reference sheets, those loose papers to a digital form. It's added a lot of value to my life and I'm just sharing it with everybody else. All right, y'all. That's almost it for us for our added value this week. I want to play a song from the soundtrack of Less Is Now. Yeah. So 
Ryan, this is the second time we've worked with we. They did it again. It's spelled V-V-E. Now, here's the weird thing. Drew and Nate, they formed this band just to make our first documentary soundtrack. Yeah. And they came back together. They brought, they, they brought other people in to write and, and produce. And, I mean, uh, so Drew is a Grammy Award. I'm sorry. Nate is a Grammy Award win, win, winning producer. And he is a phenomenal talent. Drew has a voice of an angel. It's like an instrument. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... They are from Utah. They brought in all these other musicians to make this gorgeous, gorgeous soundtrack for Less Is Now. And the opening track actually closes the documentary. It's a song called Glorious. And Ryan, I don't know if you know the story behind this. Mm -mm. Uh, Scott, uh, one of the guys they work with, wrote a lot of the lyrics to it, uh, him and, and Drew and... And, and Did Nate. we meet Scott when we were in Provo? No, no. Scott Shepard, I believe his name okay. is. He's in a band called uh, Book on Tape, Book Up Worm on Tape, Book okay. on Book on Tape Worm. Uh, yeah. Anyway, it's phenomenal. He, his his music. He's one of the best, like, um, uh, just songwriters mm. that no one uh, has had the pleasure of listening to. So you're going to get to listen to it at the end of this episode because this song, Glorious. By the way, the whole soundtrack is beautiful yeah you can find it uh by the way we don't own the rights to this music it's not ours we, we just license it from them for the film although they created it or all original just for the film yeah. now this song the the backstory behind it is they, they watched the initial cut of the film and they sort of incorporated my childhood story the boxes under the bed with drew's own you know childhood story as well and i'm sure some of scott's ba- uh, story got in there nate's story got in there but it's just about the insecurities of growing up and and how we think we need to communicate love through things Mm. and when we do that we really lose sight of real love and so that song is called glorious we'll play you out today with that also some of you have been asking for behind the scenes footage from less is now i think we're going to do that on patreon uh, and so in the coming months, I've been talking to Matt about this. I, I don't know when we're going to do it, but Ryan, you had a phenomenal scene that we it just didn't make the film. Mm, yeah. But with the drug abuse and the bar fight scene and yeah. Doc Green beating you up. Yeah. And, uh, you had a black eye. And then of course, extended interviews. So inter- for each of these people who are in the film, like Irwin and Annie and, and uh, Danae and TK and, and um, I, uh, Dave Ramsey, everyone who's in the film, we spent over an hour with each of them. Mm-hmm. I think we could use parts of those interviews as well. Absolutely. So we'll probably do that over on Patreon. Also, how many of you are taking the Less Is Now challenge this month? Some of you probably know of it as the 30-day minimalism game. Yeah. We finished the, the documentary Less Is Now with the, the Less Is Now challenge. And Ryan, I don't know about you, but I've seen so, so, so many people it's posting incredible. photos of yeah. what they're letting go of. And in fact, if you want to see what my family is, we, we were... We're challenged to do it again. I don't know how we're going to get rid of 496 items this month, Ryan. Yeah. But Ella, Ella's toys, she's not going to have any. <laughs> uh, but if you want to see our journey, you can follow my wife, uh, Rebecca. It's at Minimal Wellness on Instagram. She's posting a photo every day of what we are getting rid of during this 30-day Less Is Now challenge. Go ahead and post yours with the hashtag Less Is Now. Uh, real quick, right here, right now, here's one thing that's going on in the life of the minimalists. Ryan, our book trailer just came out. Whoop, whoop. 
Jordan did a, I mean, he is a genius. Uh, I mean, oh my, the growth we've seen from Jordan over the last year and a half, mm. this book trailer is like, I've seen him do some amazing things. It might be the best thing I've seen him do. It awesome. is phenomenal. We went all over Los Angeles to film this thing. Uh, the book is called Love People, Use Things. If you pre-order it before January 31st, we have this like, this, uh, this bundle, the Love People, Use Things bundle. This is a bumper sticker, Ryan. <laughs> So you can take our message with you wherever you go. Did you? Uh, do you have one of those on your car? I don't have bumper stickers. <laughs> but for those of you who like bumper stickers, <laughs> yeah, bookmarks yeah. awesome. Mariah, uh, she uses. I brought one of those home, and she stole it from me. Oh, did she? Yeah. All right. So yeah, you get the love people use things Dibs bookmark on that one. as well. You can have it, <laughs> and then Ryan, the computer sticker. So you don't have to have a logo on your computer anymore. Your Dell or your Apple. Oh. It says love people use things. I'm gonna put so one, one of those for you. I'm gonna put that bumper sticker. I'm gonna use all these actually. I'm gonna put this on my. Because all I have is like a I voted sticker covering up my Mac thing. Uh-huh. This is much better. Um, and I'm going to put that bumper sticker on the on my longboard. Dude, it's there funny. You know. Every time I get that longboard out, because there's just like, it's it's a lot of backstage um, stickers that we got. Right. From different venues. Yeah, different venues. Not to mention s- some people's art. and shop. Yeah. But it's funny. I was like looking at the longboard the other day. Um, I could talk about it for, I could for three hours I could tell you stories off of that longboard right and it feels yeah it's pretty cool it becomes cool. a conversation starter it's like yeah. it's like kindling in a way but if it's spontaneously combusted I mean I wouldn't be happy about it but you know I wouldn't completely miss it yeah yeah. you don't feel obligated to no. hold on to it and I actually took a picture of it because it's really nice to be reminded of all those stories mm-hmm. so you know it, let's say did I lost it or got stolen I could always go to that picture and still look at those different stickers and, and go on for three hours about yeah. every you know all the stories right yeah and, and by the way you don't if you lost the the stickers you don't lose the stories that's absolutely that, that's the message that yeah. we continue to convey i think jordan you can see that love people use things is back there on that shelf in the back you can see it on camera if you're watching on youtube it's our new book it's called love people use things if you'd like to see the trailer and also see the backstory behind the title, head on over to lovepeopleusethings.net. We're retro and cool, so we use the .net. <laughs> and that's not because it, the other, the .com was not available. Um, <laughs> and someone's squatting on it and extorting us for over $1,000. No, dude, the dot, honestly, I actually like .nets better than .com. There you go. Lovepeopleusethings.net. Really also, you get it, the, uh, Love People Use Things wallpaper for your smartphone and for your computer. So you, you can have that message with you wherever you go, including the bookmark, bookmark, the computer sticker, the bumper sticker, if you pre-order the book uh, before January 31st, 2021, then you will get that whole pack uh, included. Now you're autographing every single bookmark, right? With invisible ink. <laughs> <laughs> you can follow The Minimalist on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Minimalists. You can come to one of our live podcast shows. Visit theminimalists.com slash tour to find a city near you. If you have a question, comment, or minimalism tip for our podcast, email a voice memo to podcast at theminimalists.com. You can comment on this episode at youtube.com slash theminimalists. And if you want our show notes in your inbox, sign up for our email list over at theminimalists.com. We'll never send you spam or junk or advertisements, but we will also send you our simple Sunday email whenever we send those. So any new writings from The Minimalists, those will show right up in your inbox. Never any junk, though. If you leave here today with just one message, we hope it's this. Love people and use things because the opposite never works. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll see you next time.
space I found a moment taking shape Collect the memories, we put them into frames The beauty of our day to day Hung on walls inside this home we built The life that we had made My childhood in a box beneath your bed My teenage years upon some shelves inside the shed My crayon portraits on your fridge You saved every souvenir Cause you were scared you would forget You kept all of my stuff As if your love wasn't Something glorious Glorious I wanna make my life a monument to you and me The everlasting us, the unrelenting me And when my body turns to dust Remember that my love for you was something glorious 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 Remember that my love for you was something glorious